how it's going to go. Figure it out. Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, Sometimes you just throw the kid in the pool. That's what you do. In the 80s, especially. <laughs> Welcome to What in East Dallas is Going On. I'm Camille. And I'm Rich. And we actually have Hayes Smith, our sound guy here. Oh, so excited. Hey, Hayes. How's it going, guys? Okay, so this is our first show, and so I'm especially excited about it because I like history, Camille. Yes, I know you do. I do, too. Yeah, and so we have a special guest with us who's actually going to give us the history of East Dallas to get us going here because the reality is, is there's just so much. Right, So much here in East Dallas. Tons. Yeah, and we were talking about it. So Adam Griffin is joining us, who is actually the pastor of East Side Community Church here in Dallas. In yeah, East that's Dallas. Right. yeah, that's right. On the east side of Dallas. It's not, I mean, we'll talk about it here in a second, but it depends on where you draw your borders for East Dallas is, but uh, yeah. Okay, so that was one of the things that Camille and I actually had trouble with. Yeah. Okay, so how do we define East Dallas? Like, what is that? And I think, yeah. Hayes, you've been here for how long? Uh, since 2002. 2002. Okay. Yeah. And and you've been here for... I've been here 30 years, so yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been here, Adam? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a decade. I've lived over here, but my life's been over here for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Well, okay, guys. I'm the newbie. I got here a couple years ago. <laughs> we'll fill you in. <laughs> yeah. Just help me out here. It's a more of an education for me than anything. So, Adam, this this the history of East Dallas is, yeah. is absolutely amazing to me. and. Yeah. I have never seen culture in Dallas until I got to East Dallas. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I see culture. Everywhere. Yeah. There's a ton of it. I mean, neighborhood by neighborhood, each one has a, you know, if you look at today, what some people would say officially East Dallas would be, you know, south of Northwest Highway, east of 75, north of 30. Yeah. In the city of Dallas. That's what they would call East Dallas on on most neighborhood maps on as the... As people are traveling the city, that's what they think about. But the history of East Dallas, there's the part even within that that we call Old East Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And they call it Old East Dallas because that was the suburb, East Dallas, when Dallas is first starting. In the in the late 1800s, there's this suburb called East Dallas. Now we call that neighborhood Old East Dallas. And a lot of the neighborhoods we're familiar with uh-huh. were kind of like exurbs. Kind of we would think of like McKinney or Prosper now. Right, right. We would think of places like um, just neighborhoods around what is now East Dallas as kind of that's way out there. You know, Little Forest Hills starts as hunting cabins along White Rock Lake. When people are making their their journey out for the weekend to go hunting and fishing, they have a cabin out there by the lake. Well, now it's a full neighborhood in the middle of a city. But back in the day, that's the outskirts, man. That is way out there. That's the Sunday drive. Yeah. You don't don't go out there. How how crazy is that? Yeah. Remember when I told you, like, the lake on that north side was considered... The weekend home. Yeah, it's country. Yeah, country. That's why yeah. the homes were all were all small frame homes. It was their second homes. Their no. Well, and when, when White Rock Lake starts, people have boathouses all on it. Like mm-hmm. the way you would see now, if you went to Cedar Creek Lake, there's boathouses on it that are privately owned. Now, eventually, when it becomes a, a city park, they eliminate all that. But that's why the lake now has public venues you can rent because they were like, well, we'll build Winfrey Point. That way, anybody has the chance to use it, but you can't have a private boathouse anymore. In fact, going out there to watch speedboat races used to be the thing. You'd go no. out and watch speedboat races yeah. from yeah. the north to the south of White Rock Lake. I mean, if you want to get into the whole history of White Rock Lake, it's really fascinating. They used to have a beach in front of what's the bathhouse. Yes, that's what I said, the they beach. Would, yes. They would chlorinate 
White Rock Lake. People used to swim out there. You know, Pump House was, um, the reason it is where it is, is it was the altitude of the highest buildings in downtown Dallas, five miles away. And they would pump water from there to the top of the highest buildings. And no. it was the reservoir It's right. for the city. Okay, so will you come back on the show just so we can talk about White Rock Lake? Oh, what for do sure. you think, Camille? Oh, yes. I think that's a... Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, there's there's Hazel's a lot like, of stories around White Rock. I fish that lake all the time. It's a wonderful lake to fish, actually. Is it wow. really? I caught a six-pound bass there two weekends ago. Yeah, With, no. only, with only two eyes in it? It, didn't uh, have it was a healthy bass. <laughs> Did you eat it? No. Did you eat it? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's beautiful, though. Yeah. That lake is one it. of the best things about our side of the city. I love it. Yep. Yeah. But I want to get – okay, let's go back from the very to the very beginning, Great. right? Yeah. In 1872, if I'm not mistaken, East Dallas was formed. Sure, yep. So what happened? Then why did it start off separately and not Dallas? Like, I don't really well, understand. All of it has that. to do with transportation, right? So you have this city that's along the river. And Dallas, unlike any other major city in the country, maybe you can make an argument for Atlanta, but not likely, is one of the only places really in the world with a city this large without a body of water that you can travel freely. And so the Trinity River is not one that you, you can't drive a, a big boat from the Gulf of Mexico up to Dallas. And so this city just kind of happens really because of railroads. It becomes uh, the the kind of twisted history of Dallas is that some businessmen here pay off the railroads to make the crossing here. Otherwise, uh-huh. it could have been Waco, and Waco would have been the Metroplex, or it could have been north of us. But huh. they they incentivize putting railroads here, and that's really a big part of the history of East Dallas as well that we can get into. But Dallas becomes a crossroads for the railroads, and travel outside of the railroad is really really slow. I mean, the speed limit for cars here was seven miles an hour in the seven, yes, and that's in the early nineteen hundreds. When East Dallas uh, becomes annexed, I think they increase the speed limit to 18 miles an hour. So think about- Dangerous. If you lived at White Rock Lake and you were only allowed to drive seven miles an hour, that really is like, that's a trip. You got to be out there. So people concentrated around what was the city. And at that time, 1872, you're looking at maybe 10,000 people in the city, which now- there's more than that to live in the village apartments uh, and off Northwest highway. That's think of that kind of as like if the entire city was the village apartments, that's more the way to think about what Dallas was like back then. Unbelievable. Camille. It's crazy. And did Dallas not originally, wasn't it going to be really kind of where Oak cliff is and it jumped the river? Well, Oak cliff was a suburb of Dallas. So it starts, uh, John Neely, Bryan starts this little cabin there. And obviously he's not the first people there. There was native Americans here long before him. Right. And there's a whole history to that as well that we get into. In fact, white rock Lake is involved in some of that history as well. And Oak cliff is a suburb. West Dallas is a suburb. And for the longest time, Dallas did not want to annex West Dallas because it was was considered, you know, floodplain for the Trinity river and, Mm. and not a very good area. And then you have East Dallas, McKinney was another train station. Farmers Branch was around, but these are all very separate cities. Right. And Oak Cliff, um, there comes a race in Texas to be a big city. Uh-huh. So actually, when Dallas annexes um, East Dallas in the 1880s, we became the largest city in Texas. It was the only time we were ever the largest city in Texas, but Dallas was the city all of a sudden. And okay. remember, that's not that big. No. If you no. look at Old East Dallas combined with downtown, that's not a huge town, mm-hmm. but that was the biggest city in Texas at the time. Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. So what, why did they annex? Like what, what happened there? Why didn't we just keep it separate? There was an advantage to saying like, we're a growing town. You want to move here. You want to bring your business here. The The federal bank had put a, a fed here. We still have the federal bank here in Dallas. That kind of put us on the map. The crossing of the railroads put us on the map. And then uh, Mr. William Henry Gaston, who is kind of the father of East Dallas. Oh yeah. Gaston he, road. Yes, yeah. exactly. Gaston road. He convinces, or he donates the land to build the fairgrounds that 
bring the State Fair of Texas to Dallas, which at the time, that was East Dallas. So now we think of Fair Park as South Dallas because we put a freeway in, Highway 30, and everything south of 30 is considered South Dallas. But before that, it was the fairgrounds were part of East Dallas, part of Gaston's property. What? And it was the the railroad that he donated the property for, for the railroad to come through there that allows that fair park to kind of thrive. And again, these are all attempts to put Dallas on the map. We want to be a city where people want to come. And so it's, it's all in those attempts to grow, to get bigger. And it wasn't really for utility reasons. It wasn't because they needed more. It was just to become a place to be and a place to grow. And it was all trying to chase business. It was trying to be a place where businesses could thrive. You know, I think that history, this part of it right here that he's talking about, I think that's what created the culture, right? Don't you feel like, because it, it establishes uh, residents and establishes generations. Like you were saying the other day, Camille, you know, we have three or four generations of people that are oh yeah from here, East, East yeah, Dallas. Yeah, just from East Dallas, yeah. yeah. And it probably goes back even further than that, really. Which, which to me, that I mean, that's not like the other areas of the Metroplex. No, it's not. Well, and there's a couple other things that really, I think, set East Dallas apart in what we see now. So at the time, remember that like now we use expressways like crazy. Their expressways didn't exist until the 70s. And right. so before that, where we have our expressways now were where railroads were then. So Central Expressway was the Central Railroad. The highway was Greenville. Greenville was 75. Yeah. And so where we all hang out in Lower mm-hmm. Greenville, it's very walkable. The reason it's walkable is they built giant sidewalks where it used to be a very broad road. Well, they narrow the road so that it reduces traffic and makes one of the only walkable neighborhoods in the city of Dallas. And they're able to do that because it used to be the highway. It used to be the highway that Bonnie and Clyde, when they would, they lived in West Dallas, when they would head to commit Uh bank robberies, they go up Greenville. In fact, still today, you could go to what was recently a Schlotzky's that's now like a, a condom sense or something. Uh, on Greenville, nice. and it was the old filling station. It was the gas station that you'd fill up on on your way out of town. You look at it, it looks like a super old gas station, and that's where Bonnie and Clyde would hit up. But Greenville was this outskirts downtown. Think of like if you went to Legacy in Plano. That's kind of the way people would think about Lower Greenville. It's like that's way out of the city. That's on the way. That's on the highway on your way out of town. That's where the Granada to go watch a movie. That's where kind of life was happening. And now it becomes a center of culture for us. Because again, it's a lot of physicality. When when the highway moves over to where the railroad is, then you have this broad road you're able to make into a walkable street and you're able to create walking culture huh. that there's not a lot of. And Dallas is built for commuters and cars. But Greenville yeah. is one of the few places that we had room to say, man, we can make this walkable. How cool. So I'm a huge Bonnie and Clyde like fan. I, I just kind of like the history. Not a fan not of emulating them. them. No, I'm not emulating them and I'm not <laughs> like I'm not a fan of what they just did. The but historically I yeah. I think it's super cool. And most people actually don't realize that Clyde is bo- he's uh, buried off of 635. They got buried separately, both yes. around Dallas. There's a whole Bonnie and Clyde story you can go through, and that'd yeah. be another interesting history. Their their uh, Oscar-winning movie was filmed here along Greenville because that was kind of where they they did their thing back what? in the... Yeah, so there's a whole uh, Best Picture of the Year film on Bonnie and Clyde that was all filmed. A lot of it was filmed here in Dallas. Amazing. Uh, but Bonnie and Clyde are buried separately, but their desire was to be buried together. But it's kind of a reminder of how much their families hated that they were dating each other. They were like, no, we're not burying them with each other. We're going to bury them separately. Wow. And there was a lot of tension, but it was a very different it, world. 
Very interesting. Yeah. Okay, let, let's move up to the 1930s and 40s. Okay. So what was transpiring during that time? Like, what was what was happening to Dallas? Well, what's happening in Dallas in the 30s and 40s? Still, yeah, it's in expanding. East Dallas, yeah. uh, in East Dallas, it's expanding like crazy. So okay. you're finishing White Rock Lake is maybe in the 1920s. It's kind of really getting going as like right. a recreational area. Yep. But in the 30s and 40s, houses are starting to be built out here. So in 1925, you're starting to advertise neighborhoods that were super exclusive like Munger, and Junius Heights and Swiss Avenue. These were all very, this was the wealthy side of Dallas. Now we think of it as like pretty close to downtown compared to the outskirts of Dallas. Dallas expands and expands and expands into what was farmland Mm -hmm. around the lake until eventually the lake is kind of encompassed by the city in the thirties and forties and starts to keep growing. And then you hit the the sixties and you may not know this, but the Dallas Cowboys, their original practice facility was in Lake Highlands, which was considered like the far outskirts of the city. Yeah. So in the seventies, that's when the city starts hitting there. And that's where, I mean, again, think of it like in our terms, now we build the Dallas star in Frisco, which is like the suburban wealthy part of Dallas. Well, at the time that's what Lake Highlands was in the seventies was like, that's the outskirts of the city. So where there's a Walmart right now at uh, 635 and Abrams, that's where the Dallas Cowboys used to practice. But don't think of them like the franchise they are today. It was it was a shed yep. with a field next right. to it. Yeah, and they all had second jobs. Like, they didn't make the money they yeah. make today. They all did live in Lake Holland, Richardson area. Totally. Really? But, mm-hmm. but that was, again, you just wow. think of like how the Metroplex has expanded. If you looked at a, a map from the 50s, there just isn't, there aren't homes. There's no 635. There's, it's not expanded out that far. So 40s and 50s is really a time of, of course, there's racial tension and a lot of racial history in there as well. Okay. So yeah. Can you go into that just a little bit? Because, oh. you know, you know, just that is part of the history. A huge part. It is. Yeah. Is yeah. it really? A huge part. So I was listening to another podcast that you were on and that's basically what you talked about. Yeah. And I was kind of taken aback a little bit. I didn't understand why. Yeah, there's a there's happening. a ton to it. But uh, I mean, we could talk all day about that. But if you just wanted to talk about Native American history here, we could talk about it. But certainly African American history and Hispanic Mexican history here, it's pretty big. But if you think about just again, if you're just talking East Dallas, uh-huh. uh, 75, that was the railroad. And a lot of this history has to do with when freeways become a thing. Okay, It eliminates a lot of places where more impoverished people lived and where they did their life and divides it up and and annexes that land uh, eminent domain in order to create things. Well, a lot of those people who didn't have the privilege, didn't have the the funds, were not wealthy, were also those who were of racial minorities. And so they get pushed out, slums get uh, bulldozed. They were only allowed to live in certain places. Remember in America, until 1968, you could sell somebody a house or not somebody, sell somebody a house based on what race they were. And so yes. until this, and even after that, there were players on the Cowboys, there were Hall of Flame players that had to sue in order to live near like Highlands, even because they were African American players, they were not allowed to buy homes there. And so that's the 40s, a federal thing, right? That was yes, the federal yes. housing, the Fe- Fe- yeah. federal housing act, nineteen sixty eight. So yep. on our side of town, if you look at what we consider the boundaries now, was the only black high school in Dallas was right on the east side of seventy five and Hall Street, and that was called Dallas Colored High School. It eventually moved to Booker T. Washington, which is now an arts magnet school, but yep. that was the only high school for African American kids and. Wow. On our side of town, there's a couple of really interesting things you can actually go visit still, but there's there was Little Egypt, which was a freedman slave town, which is now where White Rock Coffee is off, off of Northwest Highway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was a freedman town that uh, Dallas refused to annex because they were like, man, it's just kind of a slum. They built houses around it, but they wouldn't do utilities. They wouldn't pick up garbage. They wouldn't put in plumbing. 
Mm-hmm. So eventually these people just had to sell their property, 200 or so freed slaves and their descendants moved off. But you can still go visit the cemetery there where uh, there's a segregated cemetery off Adelia Road where there was like a, a white European settlement cemetery and then an African-American freed slave cemetery. And they're there and they're still fenced between each other. They're not combined mm-hmm. and they're over there. And that's where a lot of the freed slaves were. And then the the Fields family, you can still see the Fields cemetery off of Skillman. If you ever drive Skillman, you'll see a cemetery right in the middle of a subdivision. It says the Fields cemetery. That's just their family. That was a freed slave family that bought that property and farmed it, raised uh, wheat for Mrs. Baird's um, bread company, sold gravel, and just had all sorts of um, descendants who owned and worked that property. Wow. But beyond that, obviously, slavery was a thing in East Dallas for a long time. Cotton gins was the big business. Cotton farming was the big business. And so you can see a lot of the people who, for whom things are named in East Dallas were the original kind of farmers who were farming this land and owned mm-hmm. enslaved people here on this property. And there's a lot to know about all that history. You know, the fascinating thing to me is that is all part of the history, but that also actually drives the culture. Big time. I mean, what, yeah. really? Don't you think, Hayes? Yeah, I mean, it's, absolutely. I mean, I think it's such an important part of our history, and it, I don't think it should be neglected. I think it should no. be talked about. Well, absolutely. You have on our side of town, uh, not officially in East Dallas, but in Hamilton Park, you have literally a planned uh, ghetto, which was a, a set-aside area for people of a certain race. And at the time, it was built in the 50s, for uh, middle-class African-American families, people that were lawyers and doctors who weren't allowed to buy homes in white neighborhoods. And so they built a neighborhood out in what was the outskirts, what's now 75 and 635, but there weren't freeways there at the time. And if you look at the design of that neighborhood, it's built in concentric circles, not a grid like a normal neighborhood. Again, it's built for isolation to say that's where you'll be allowed to live. But there was so much at the time where you guys, if you want to get into the history, there was about a dozen to 14, depending on who you talk to, bombings when African-American families would try to buy a home in a, what was considered a white or a mixed neighborhood, people would drop dynamite on their porch and blow up the house. No. Or they would surround the house and stone the house and just these families just terrorize them. And so that's why they built Hamilton Park at 75 and 635 to say, we'll build you someplace where you can live separate. And if you look at a racial dot map still today, compared to a redlining map or a map that shows um, ethnicity back in the 1940s, you'll see that still, it's pretty racially divided outside of apartment complexes where people live neighborhood by neighborhood, although the laws have obviously been different since the late 60s. But it's still like that. Very much so. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and I want to get into the 70s and 80s because that is a time when it really started booming and it really came you know, what we actually see today is East Dallas, right? Yeah, start the light started forming like to what we are now. Right. So, all right, well, we will be right back with what in East Dallas is going on with Adam Griffin, the history of Dallas. Did you know that East Dallas has over 200,000 residents? And over 1.1 million visitors every single month. And And you you have have the the opportunity opportunity to reach them. If you're interested in partnering up with us on the website, visit eastdallas.com. Or on this show at What in East Dallas is Going On. Connect with us. Our email is connect at visiteastdallas.com. That's connect at visiteastdallas.com. Thank you for supporting the show. And thank you for being a part of East Dallas. All right, we're back with what in East Dallas is going on with Adam Griffin, a historian, and man, dude, he has so much knowledge. 
He's like a Wikipedia of East Dallas. East Dallas. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Okay, so look, I want to talk about the 70s and 80s, yeah. uh, uh, Adam, but, but you have a couple really cool, interesting stories about a baseball team, about sure, yeah. n- Nazis. Well, I know yeah. you're a big sports fan, so Huge. Uh, one that I think is really interesting, one, uh, you know the, the Red, River, Red River rivalry, which yes. obviously happens in the Cotton Bowl I can't say it. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> Tongue twister. <laughs> but remember, like, the Fair Park at the time is part of East Dallas. They had a baseball field there called Gaston Park, named after Gaston, kind of the father of East okay. Dallas. He donates land for the Fair Park. And uh, we had a baseball team there called the Giants, the Dallas Giants. And what? they uh, won the pennant in 1910. But the way they won it is just, un- I mean, you would not believe the story, but it's true. I'll give you the, the shortest version of it. But basically, they're doing a doubleheader against uh, the Fort Worth Panthers. And in the first game, uh, it's pretty clear that Dallas has paid off the umpires. This is a very different time in sports. Nice. No. And so the pitcher for the Fort Worth Panthers gets just livid. And between the, the first game of the doubleheader and the second, he goes off and just gets blitzed at a local hotel. And he comes back during the second game of the doubleheader, walks on the field, and attacks the umpire and tries to strangle him with his necktie before uh, fans are able to like peel him off of him. The fans okay. had to do it. Yeah. So oh this is just, God. this is what? just to build the tension. This is just their first doubleheader later in that season. They play another doubleheader, same teams. Okay. Pennants on the line. This is for the, this is for everything. Uh-huh. And uh, the fans get totally unreal. Just, they lose the first game and the fans get wild. They just start going bananas. They mm-hmm. rush the field. And they are so violent that the umpires take off and jump over the center field fence and take off and drive home. They leave the game altogether. <laughs> the other team, the Fort Worth Panthers, are so scared. They get in their bus and they leave. And so the fans nominate among themselves somebody to be the new umpires and declare a forfeit. And that's the way the East Dallas Giants win the championship. That, <laughs> you're darn off. right. You're darn right we won. <laughs> scare off the other team. <laughs> anyway, Robbery I, and scare tactics. Exactly. And oh, my I, God. I, so how long was that team in existence? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I can show you a picture of their team. They look pretty unruly. They look like guys that would uh, probably had some day jobs that were uh, in the factory somewhere. Yeah. How amazing, right? That is so cool. I'm a huge, uh, baseball to me is not just, um, it's Americana, right? It's it's part of our history of America. It's like, yeah. You know, and I love baseball history. Well, I'm a huge football fan too. And I mentioned before the Dallas colored high school, they had one of the first African-American football teams for high school kids in the entire state and probably in the country. And so they had the, the Bulldogs wow. at the time and they were yeah. coached by uh, Harley, who was their principal. But in order to play, football was segregated at the time. So they would have to travel super far in order to find other African-American teams. They typically play college teams. Mm. But one of the really interesting things, you guys have all heard of Friday Night Lights. Friday yeah. Night Lights is kind of famous. It's it's yeah. part of our culture. Yep. But at the time, they would play on the same fields, but because of segregation, they wouldn't play on the same night. So African-American football would be Thursday nights. So they had Thursday night lights, and they would play these night games on the same field, Gaston Field, down there in Fair Park, and uh-huh. play these games against local colleges and things like that. But they would have to travel. So imagine the difficulty on these kids. They'd be driving sometimes through the night to a game and then have to be back. They'd arrive in time for school on Friday, like because it's oh, wow. not a Friday night. They're coming home just in time wow. to get back to school. So it was a it was a difficult thing, but they they're such an admirable team of players. There's a really cool picture from the twenties of this first beat. Bulldogs team and I hope they won some games and did yeah. well. Well if you study the history of UIL and and UIL was segregated, it was it was the white league for the longest time and then P, they uh, African Americans had PVIL, the Prairie View League and 
And when they finally combined, it was like, man, they're going to get whooped. All these, these black kids are going to get whooped. And they ended up doing really, really well their first couple of years in there, which is pretty cool. Love it. Wow. Love it. Yeah. Well, okay. So, and then you had another story. Okay. So something about the Nazi king. Uh, Yeah. This is my favorite thing. I just think it's the most weird, fascinating thing. But if you go to White Rock Lake still today, you know, at Winfrey Point, there's some baseball fields down there. Yeah. yeah. Between those baseball fields, there's one little uh, fire hydrant. And if you look at that fire hydrant, that fire hydrant has lasted some incredible things, but that's been there since it was uh, the CCC camp, which is this group of young men who came and kind of built up White Rock Lake the way it is. They, they, they put in the rock walls at Flagpole uh-huh. Hill and they, they build those things. Well, then when they move out and they get drafted and there's these wars, they're just these empty barracks. Well, then in World War II, uh, we have all these prisoners of war Nazis uh, from North Africa and from Europe. And these uh, Nazis from North Africa are shipped to Dallas. They have to be in a similar client to where they're captured is kind of the, uh, the climate has to stay the same for POWs. And they put them in these barracks at White Rock Lake, uh-huh. but it's not built to be a POW camp. So their first job is to build their own barbed wire fence around their own no. POW camp. <laughs> and then they have these uh, Nazis cleaning up the area around White Rock Lake uh, to the point where there's actually, you can look up this article in Dallas Morning News. After the war, they send these POWs back to, to Germany. And one of them writes a public letter back to the Dallas Morning News saying, will anybody in Dallas please welcome my family back? We loved our time at White Rock Lake. It was so beautiful. Oh, my God. We'd love to move back to Dallas. <laughs> it was so great. I mean, but it's it, we're laughing, but it's not funny, in, you yeah. know, for them. No. no I mean, they, were, they were in prison, but they were – I mean, can you imagine being – if you had to be anywhere, though – wouldn't it be great to be in a camp right by like White Rock I, I Lake? Mean. <laughs> I mean, the weather's probably way better than it was when they were in oh, Germany, yeah, right? Yeah. Wherever. Yeah, but super, there's, there's certainly cool. ugly parts of our history. There's some hilarious yeah. parts of the history. But like you said, when you get to the 70s and 80s, things that are starting to change, yeah. you have the, the village apartments come on the scene. Yeah, The village apartments since the 70s have been like the, this is where singles in Dallas will move mm-hmm. and live and work and where... There are a ton of neighborhoods that are historic, whether it's uh, Junius Heights has a really interesting history and Hollywood Heights has an interesting history and Munger and Swiss Ave, but those are all homeowner neighborhoods. Mm. What the village apartments do to our side of town that really builds the culture we have now is becomes the side of town where also, if you're a young professional, you just graduated college, or maybe you're going to SMU living off campus, this Mm. is the side of town you move to. And that is really culture shaping for our side of town. You're not just homeowners yeah. and you're not just restaurants. You're all of a sudden the, the, the life place where you can live and you can, and the village apartments now, obviously if you go there, the amenities they built up, the idea is you never have to leave. If you don't want to, we have the restaurants and the groceries and the mm. yeah. coffee shop, but that's been a big part of our history as well. Is just becoming the side of town where you would want to live if you work downtown or if you work in uptown or if you work somewhere like that and you're young and professional. That, you know, we were talking about that Camille the other day. You don't have to leave. Yeah. I mean, you, oh. you, once you're in East Dallas, yeah. why go anywhere else? In fact, there's a friend of mine. She's been here for a long time, too. She goes, oh, my goodness, to go north above 635? <laughs> why would I do that? Yeah, we'll never move above 635. <laughs> no, like, Some well, people well, won't go past Mockingbird. So. That's true. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. But you, when, when you're here, though, you, you, you get it. You see why. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and I moved to uh, North Texas in 2001. Yeah. And man, for me to just discover, now I've been here, but I haven't lived here, right? I was north yeah. uh, in Flower Mound. And- we make fun of them for that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, again, I think, Richard, that's tied to our country's fascination with freeways in the 70s and 80s. We built 75, we built 635, we built 30. 
But the plan was that Northwest Highway would be a freeway. The plan mm-hmm. was that Skillman would be a freeway. And the plan was there would be a whole nother freeway. And if you look at the original plan, our whole neighborhoods, they would have been destroyed. Uh, we wouldn't near, we wouldn't have the culture we right. have. If there were a freeway right by White Rock, can you imagine? No. It just wouldn't be cool to ride your bike there. You'd be like, what is this? There's yeah. six <laughs> lanes of traffic and accidents. And it was the fact that basically the government stopped building freeways that maintained the level of culture we have. But there was way more culture in our side of town before 75 gets built before, before deep Ellum gets split off from downtown before uh, 30 splits fair park from East Dallas. So imagine if that had been also Skillman and also Northwest highway, we'd be having talks about M streets and Greenville being a neighborhood. We'd be having talks mm-hmm. about maybe white rock Lake and, and part of Lake would be in a neighborhood, but not the whole thing, not the whole thing, yeah. but we've preserved some of it. So is, I guess deep Ellum is all of is is in East Dallas. All of it's in, I mean, I consider East yeah. Dallas. Yeah, technically, you? the original square of Dallas includes Deep Ellum, and it gets that corner gets cut off by a highway by seventy five. Yeah. It was called Deep Ellum Central Track. Central Track was the the train. Okay, we would now count it pretty much as officially East Dallas, but it kind of sits as separate. So it's surrounded by old East Dallas. I see. Yeah. Okay, so in the eighties and nineties, I guess more in the nineties and early two thousands. The, the housing, the prices of the housing, right, specifically right here, really started going through the roof. Skyrocket, yeah. So what what happened? Like, it, it was like everybody woke up and was like, well, <laughs> let's move to East Dallas. Well, I think you have a couple of things. You have an onset of central air conditioning that makes Dallas a city where you can move and live and put your mm. warehouse and put your businesses. And, and so you can work there and not feel so uncomfortable if you're moving from Chicago, if you're moving from New York. And so you have people coming here going, man, the climate is nicer year round and the indoor climate is, is livable. And so with that, you have Dallas just skyrocketing in the demand for houses because business is good and where business is good, things are good. But what you had a big part of the city of Dallas history, obviously is the assassination of JFK. And before the assassination mm-hmm. of JFK, there's this idea of Dallas being kind of a, a city you don't really want to visit. It was full of the idea was that um, it had a lot of political activism in it that was very volatile. Okay. But after JFK, Dallas goes into full like marketing mode on how can we convince people that this is not a city where people need to ignore, but we're we're okay. And so that's where you get America's team with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. That's when they start calling it that in the sixties and saying, you know what, we're going to be America's team mm. and the, the history of the mm. Dallas Cowboys and their success has a lot to do with the appeal of the city, as does the TV show Later Dallas, as does other things that we tried to do to create a marketing image of the city that was shiny, your business can be successful, but also what came with that was burying a lot of the uglier parts of our history when it comes to racism, when it comes to politics, when it comes to, like in the 1920s, we are the number one KKK city, we're like number one by far. The, the, the ratio of men who are in the KKK and not is astounding. And Still, we have things that mayors and the police chiefs and all these people were in the KKK. And it was thought about differently then, but it was still, it was, the history is ugly. And then you hit the 60s, 70s, 80s, and this marketing scheme mm-hmm. really takes off. And Dallas becomes a really appealing place for people. The part of East Dallas that I really love is the diversity of yeah. the area, right? Yeah. But And I yeah. think that that is far and away... Um, to me, it, that part of it's awesome because you don't really have that in other parts of the metro, metroplex, right? You have art, culture, yeah. you know, diversity. You have everything that you kind of need right here. I, yeah. you know, I don't want to throw out any names of 
other areas of the metroplex, yeah. but it's just not like that. Well, you know? and I, I mean, it's to me, it's wonderful because it did come from some of the ugly history, right? Right. This right. Is, this is the good that came out of it. The it's beauty. Made East Dallas yes. more diverse. Yep. Right. Yeah, totally. There's, there's a division that comes in the 70s and 80s that destroys some of the, uh, the culture there. But now, if you look at who we are now, we are a very diverse side of town. With a distinct culture, a distinct food culture, you can yes. you have a distinct uh, art culture, and in a way you don't find in a lot of other parts of the city. There are some you could point to some neighborhoods and other sure. parts of the city and say, "Man, sure. there's some culture there." But yeah. if you're going to go see a concert and it's going to be like a local band, man, there's a ton of venues on our side of town that they're going to come through, and you're going to go see an artist, or you want to go do a wine tasting, or you want to go uh, to a bar scene, you want to go to a club. Mm. Yeah, there's stuff in uptown, there's stuff in downtown, there's stuff in Bishop Arts, but. East Dallas has a unique flavor of all those that feels more local to those who live here. And we and we have some things here. I mean, we have some nice, new, beautiful things, but I love the fact that, you know, look in Garland Road, there's some things that aren't the shiny penny. They're still old buildings. They're still yeah. old warehouses, and people are turning them into thriving businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still somewhat affordable for being in a major city. Totally. Then that's what we have. You know, people will yeah. complain a lot to me. I meet a lot of people that aren't from Dallas and they'll complain about Dallas. Dallas is an easy city to complain about because people, all you have to say is like, well, where's the river? Where's the mountains? Where's the ocean? Right. Yeah. right. And I always say, man, you know, if there were mountains and a river and ocean, you know who couldn't afford to live here? You. You couldn't live here <laughs> yeah, because right. you'd be like, it'd be like San Francisco where you could go, we can have 400 square feet mm-hmm. and we can have, you know, an occasional cucumber and then yeah. we can live near the ocean. But in Dallas, because we don't have those things, we've expanded so broadly. We've it's gotten so wide, and it's been it's created space for you to be able to own a home here, live, mm-hmm. create culture, be a part of local culture. And it's one of the most beautiful things about our city is that you could raise a family in the city here. Yeah, and you could, that's not true of a lot of American cities as old as Dallas. No, mm-hmm. yeah. no, it's not, not with that kind of diversity, not with that kind of culture. Right. I mean, you can do that in a lot of places, but you're not getting that and. Yeah. Or, have here. or still having somewhat of affordability. Totally. I mean, because Chicago, mm-hmm. so expensive, so right? Expensive. It's a diverse city, but very expensive. And yeah. it's a, and it's yeah. a sports city. It's a, Dallas yeah. is a great city for sports. And while the Cowboys obviously did move to Irving and then to Frisco, and we don't have a fair park as part of our neighborhood anymore, so to speak, it is still a place where, man, if you want to go to a baseball game or a hockey game or a basketball game or a football game, this is a great place to live, man. You're 15 minutes. Yeah, you're not far away. No, and and that's why. Like even yesterday, I uh, I took a bike ride around the lake. Just you know, it's pretty just, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you you just get on your bike and you're forty five minutes. You're back home. Yeah, yeah. White Rock Lake and the trails they're creating that'll connect to it is one of the best things about our side of the city. Yeah, you don't see a lot of places that have a full nine mile track all the way around that aren't interrupted by private property, right? By somebody that you got to avoid. And then you think about we haven't even talked about the arboretum. And that the Arboretum is just one of the, the best things we have going in Dallas. It's yeah. beautiful. The, the Outdoor Children's Museum they have there, the, the Rory Meyer Children's Garden, yep. it's phenomenal. The concerts they do at the Arboretum, Amazing. phenomenal. That's where I proposed to my wife. Oh, what'd she say? Well, <laughs> I, I was fortunate. <laughs> un- unfortunately for her, she said yes. <laughs> okay, hey, we're going to be right back uh, to, to um, wrap it up here. But and we're going to ask Adam what are his three favorite parts about East Dallas. Okay, all right, yeah. So I'm curious um, to hear. Yeah, me too. I can't wait because we didn't really, you know, in all transparency, we didn't really have a conversation 
about what we were going to discuss. Yeah. We just... You're just letting me fly, man. And that's dangerous. Yeah. I'm sure I've said 10 things that need to be fact-checked, but that's all right. But you know what, though? That's the way it's going to be on this show. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with Adam's favorite parts. Of these talents. Yeah. All right. Right. See you soon. Did you know that East Dallas has over 200,000 residents? And over 1.1 million visitors every single month. And And you you have the the opportunity opportunity to reach them. If you're interested in partnering up with us on the website, visit eastdallas.com. Or on this show at What in East Dallas is Going On. Connect with us. Our email is connect at visiteastdallas.com. That's connect at visiteastdallas.com. Thank you for supporting the show. And thank you for being a part of East Dallas. And we're back. Hope everybody's still with us because, uh, man, this is the part that I want to get to, too. Yeah, Adam's three favorite things of East Dallas. Yeah. Okay, so, Adam, you know, here's here's our reality. You're going to be back on the show because... That's gracious. You, you're... Because after you get the emails that say, actually, it was 1887 and Adam said 1885, you know, you're going to be like, oh, oh, we'll what does this those. guy know? Yeah. We'll get those. Yeah. All over double. Yes, yeah. 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 see, okay. <laughs> see, that's why Hayes is here. So, um, okay, look, you've been here for a while. Yes, sir. W- what keeps you here, honestly? Oh, I, yeah. I know you have your church. Yeah. You know, Eastside Community Church. So if you haven't been there, which I have not been there. Yeah. Um, I have. Honestly. Yeah. yeah you've been there once, <laughs> twice. Yeah. 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 Every Sunday. So, um, but what keeps you here? Seriously. Well, I really believe, well, a couple of things. That's a, the way you just posed that question. I think longevity in a community equal, it gets better and better the longer you are somewhere. And so mm. for a culture, so a city like ours, our side of town with yeah. so much culture, yeah. so much beauty to it. The longer I'm here, the better it gets. Both with my, because I believe cities are built not on pavement and not on parks, but on people. Relationships. Yeah. And so the longer I am somewhere, the deeper those relationships go and the better that is for me and for my family. So the thing that really keeps me here is that this is where we are. And Mm. so I want to be in some place with some people for a long time. You feel like you're investing in the community itself. Big time. I love going to a restaurant or a grocery store or a concert and seeing people I know. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's Adam. Nope. No. Nope. Oh. The people are like, oh, oh okay. gosh, Adam's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's my favorite thing is okay. the people. And our, our What an answer. Well, it's true. That's that's why I'm here. It's really you. Your people. Yeah. And so well, and we, a, we yeah. talked about it before. The people yeah. here in East Dallas truly yeah. make up East Dallas. No, yeah. because you know why we're cool. The yeah. people here are right. cooler than They're other people. Like, yes. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Okay, so so yeah. that's a great, great answer. Yeah. But what about restaurants or music or totally. all that stuff? Yeah, I'm not a big live music guy. I know that's really popular, but I'll tell you the restaurants here, I, I love getting to pick where I'm going to go to eat. Okay. So if somebody says, let's go to lunch, I will, even yesterday, I sent a guy a list. Like, what do you want? Do you want Cuban? Do you want ramen? Do you want Mexican? Do you mm. want Tex-Mex? Do you want American? Do you want mm. seafood? And in every one of those genres, I have my favorites, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I love getting to experience the many different cultures and nations that have come and set up a restaurant with uh, from indigenous people with indigenous cooks making it the way that they would want to make it. So I love uh, the Cuban sandwich at Latin Deli. It's one of my favorite things. The Trompo tacos at Mario Bros, some of my favorite stuff. These aren't like the, and at the same time, I get like velvet tacos started on the east side. I love velvet tacos. Oh, yeah. And Rusty oh, tacos so started different. over here. Yes. I love it. Do you know Chili's started on our side of town? We don't have any Chili's left, but the first Chili's was on Greenville Avenue. Are you kidding? No, right now it's where uh, 76 Station is up on Greenville and Wait, Walnut Hill-ish. Wh- why don't we have a Chili's here? Oh, I think they all closed down and moved out to the yeah. Burbs. 
And but they have different different avenue. Yeah. Didn't El Phoenix or El Phoenix started in Oak Cliff? I think. Yeah, El Phoenix the is the one. longest standing, continually running restaurant in Dallas. Yeah, and we did have a couple what? like Skillman and Audelia, but yeah. Well, we still have one in Castellana. Yeah, that's true. We do yeah. have one in Castellana. That's right. That's funny. So we literally the the culture here literally kicked out Chili's. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <That's> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of love that. I don't no. hate Chili's, but I, yeah. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to Chili's in oh man, probably ten years. No. There used yeah. to be one in Casalinda. Maybe yes. there is still one. Oh, there is still one. Right, yeah, it's uh, right. there is still Buckner. one. Right by the El Phoenix. Yeah, so look, we got yeah. one left. Look, admittedly, I'm not a big chain restaurant person. Yeah. I'm just not. Um, More than mom and pops. Yeah, I like yeah. the mom and pops. Like, you know, Hayes, you were really nodding your head at the Cuban. Yeah, Latin Alley. Oh, it's so good. Is that your yeah. thing? Where yeah. is that again? It's like... It's at Northwest Highway in Abrams. Oh, it's, yeah. it's right here. Super but, Target, kind of... Okay, so this is so funny. So my wife and I, we were at the Aldi's right there, right? Yeah, right next and, to it. And so we passed that, and we said, oh, look at that place, because they have the, oh all the... The trees, cactuses. the cactuses yeah. and stuff yeah. outside, right? Yeah. And we, I said, babe, we should go over there and just go try it sometime. Yeah. But you guys are actually giving you, it a thumbs absolutely. up. Absolutely. It's one of the Do best, best yep. sandwiches in Dallas. They're really? Chi- their chicken sandwich and their Cuban sandwich. And it's, mm. yep. they, their fries, they would call them potatoes, but you order their fries and they do like a, a dip that comes with their fries and it is, what? it's, it's life changing. You it's should go so good. for lunch. You should go. Go today. It's, it's two minutes from my house. So I'm, one, I live on the Fisher. Tip, one other tip. Extra napkins because the Cuban sandwich it, it gets a little messy. Really? It's not a first date restaurant. Wow, but it is really. really I feel good. like I should send uh, them an, uh, uh, an invoice. Come on, because yeah. this is not a paid sponsorship. sponsored by Latin Deli. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of places like Wabi House. I love in Lower yeah. Greenville. If you like ramen, that place is so good. And there's really? a lot of restaurants like that that I love. Now restaurants obviously come and go. Some of our favorites have come and gone, but yeah. but there's always something new. Always somebody trying mm. to build a restaurant. A lot of places start here and then become chains because yep. here's a great place to try and experiment and the yes. culture's welcoming and exciting to try new things and they will support you. Wow. That that to me is just the coolest thing here. You know, uh, when my wife and I, we moved here and we started meeting uh, some folks, you know, you, Camille, and, and just some other people. I actually knew a few folks here, but the mentality of people here is exactly what you just said. They're progressive and they try stuff and they're they're not afraid to get out there. No. You know, Hayes, even yourself, like when I talked to you for the first time, you were like, yeah, I'm doing this and this and this. And I'm like, dude, let's go. Yeah. You know, let's, <laughs> but, and to be honest with you, in the suburbs, you don't really have that mentality. You'll meet people like that, but it's right. not built into the communities. If that makes sense. Well, what's different about the suburbs to me that's so significant, while culture is very different, right? Right. People move to the suburbs to raise a family because they'll say it's it's safer. You get more per square foot in the schools, the the three S's, right? Square foot, school, and safety. And while that is true for a lot of people, and I'm I'm okay with that, move to the suburbs. But in the suburbs, there's kind of this mentality that there is no poverty as if they've solved it. But really what the case is that you're moving somewhere where poverty is not allowed. And the reason I love Dallas is that poverty will still exist here because poor people exist. And we will not just try to move somewhere and gate them out and tell them they can't come in, but rather there's a ton of work to be done in Dallas for people who are struggling. People are having a really hard time. And we wouldn't just say, you're not allowed here, go away. We would say, okay, we're going to build services for you. There's mm. going to be ministry to you. There's going to be churches cooperating to address these things. And Obviously for me, like I, I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be the solution to that. I love the churches that work together on our side of town, mm. even yeah, from very different backgrounds. 
to address the things that need to be done on our right side of town. here in our community. Yes, that yeah. that to me is a, a difference maker because at the end of the day, if you don't ha- if you don't gather and and come together as a community, yeah. what do you actually have? You just have a bunch of people living in houses that go yeah. to great schools and safe areas, right? Don't know, don't know their neighbors. Don't know their neighbors. <laughs> which you know, no, seriously, yeah. I I didn't know in Flower Mound. I think in my little neighborhood, I think there were 77 houses. Wow. We knew two people, mm-hmm. two neighbors. Yeah. But here, I've already been here, and I already wanted – my art right now is hanging up at Good Friend. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and so – That's my favorite breakfast, Good Friend package. If we're going to do really? free sponsorships, yeah, man, that farm fresh oh, biscuit. Man. Dude, I know Josh and Matt, and they're just great guys, right? They're incredible. But yeah. here's the thing, though. When I moved here, and I was here long enough to start meeting people – I wanted to invest and do something good for this community. It's yeah. like, let's if we can if we want to change the world, let's start in our community. Good, yeah. yeah. Don't you feel like that? Yeah. I mean, which that's why uh, Camille and I wanted to do this show. We, her and I, and uh, you know, our spouses were heading to a concert, and we were like, why not? Good. Like, why wouldn't we do a show that's so centered around East Dallas, so we can actually highlight the best and. Yeah. The worst parts of East Dallas. Totally. Because, you know. And there's so much more here. I mean, you it's, guys it's are going to oh, yeah. You can do this for years and you'll be scratching the surface. Because what you have yeah. is hundreds of thousands of people. Right. And so there's hundreds of thousands of stories. And each one of them has, you know, ancestors that have been here yeah. or have uh, businesses that have been here. And so yeah. those stories combine to create a culture. You know, our culture changes with every person that moves in and moves out. And there's a different cultural story. But us... When we look around, you know, we all live here. We look around and we see a really beautiful story on our side of town. I love Gosh, being a part man. of it. That is okay. Did he say two things or three yeah, things? We need the third one. Third oh gosh! One, yeah. Okay, so we need number three. This is why Hayes is on board here. <laughs> He's our counter. He's our counter. Yeah, still only have two fingers uh, yeah. up. <laughs> I need to put up the third one. Don't ask me. That's for sure. Uh, that's so funny. Okay, so what's one more thing? Well, I'll tell you. You know, this is the kind of the reason you're having me on here. I be, I love history, and our part mm. of our part of town has a beautiful history like any one of us. It has, you know, for everyone, if we were going to walk through your entire history and you're willing to be totally honest about it, you'd have parts that you go, I, I wish that hadn't happened. And I wish uh. that happened hadn't happened to me. I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I hadn't said that. And there'd be parts of your story you go, I'm so glad. I'm so glad this happened. I'm so glad I did that. And that's our story on our side of town. And I love the story of our side of town, but it is full of things that go, man, I, I wish this hadn't been true. Mm. And I wish this had been different. And I, I, I wish the story didn't include that, but because it does, this is the story we get to live in now. Yeah. And so for me and, and the people that I get to lead in our church and the community that I get to be involved in, we're part of trying to help Dallas have a better story the, that the people awesome. who are lost and lonely are going to be loved, are going to be yeah. cared for. And, and the, the, the things that need to be addressed in our community, whether it's, um, you know, fatherlessness or whether it's poverty or whether it's any number of issues, trafficking, that we want to be part of the group of people that say, well, we love this city and that's our city is people. So we're going to, how do we love people here? And that's what keeps me here. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Amen. Yeah. Make yeah. all things new. Yep. Amazing. I mean, I, look, here's the thing. We could go on for a four hour show, but we're not. Hayes would absolutely hate us. He would never come back. But, you know, we're going to have you on the show, Adam. And, and I, I think that having someone like you to you know, go a little bit deeper into these, just some of the things that you even talked about today, yeah, I think is, would be 
um, amazing. Great. There's certainly a lot more to it. I really, uh, I'm honored to be on. So thank you for having me. Well, we're excited. Yeah, we're so thankful you came on. Yeah. That, what a what a find. I can't even Definitely. remember how we found him. Uh, I don't remember either. And I love that you talk about all the beautiful things here, but you know, uh, yeah. you have to also talk about the past, the ugly it's, past. Yeah, it's kind of like a, the metaphor might be White Rock Lake that we talked about. Is White Rock Lake beautiful? Yeah. And is there yeah. a lot of trash to get cleaned up every day? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go, that's our dredged. city. We go, yeah. that's the most beautiful place, and it's so full of trash. Amazing. Yeah. And we go, that's where we're at. Now, some people would look at that and go, yeah, that's why I'm moving away. And yeah. I go, no, that's why I'm staying. Yeah, bye. Yeah. yeah. See you. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you later. We'll enjoy it. Well, I tell you what. Uh, we're going to have you back on. Uh, thank you for joining us on our first show. And, you know, please do a couple things. If you can, share the show. Right. Share it, please. Share it. Because, you know, our goal here is to build community as we just got through talking about. Yeah. And and I really want to highlight truly the best parts of East Dallas. And, you know, we, we jokingly named the show What in East Dallas is Going On. But it's also, Camille, what in East Dallas has happened. Yes. That's good. Yes. You know, and, and we want our listeners to reach out to us, right? Yeah. If you guys have, you know, thoughts and ideas about shows or topics, or you have something interesting in your own story, please like contact us uh, through our website, visit com. And, you know, once again, we got that name because we truly want people to come here and visit us and yeah, see we welcome what we have. It. Yeah. Yes. And we're not going to be one of those people, ah, oh, the so many visitors and tourists. It's like, no, come on. Yeah. Like, come see what East Dallas is all about because it's truly amazing. Yes. All right. Well, Hayes, do you got anything else? No, I've got nothing. Yeah. Hayes is out of words. I'm always out of words. <laughs> Adam, thank you again. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Well, it's my honor to be on. Thank you guys for inviting me. Yep. Well, we'll be seeing you soon. I hope so. Yeah. Yep. It's been great. All right, Camille. Well, hey, what in East Dallas is going on? I don't know, Rich. Let's find out. Next week. See you soon. All right. See you guys.